Almighty God and Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. This past uh, Tuesday, I was uh, driving with the Reverend Ben Lorenz to a circuit meeting, a meeting of the the pastors in our circuit. Uh, The meeting was in Bloomington, so we're driving down 46, and we're talking about the gospel reading for today. And I, for some reason, I I have this fixation on Jesus's sighing, okay? Um, He's groaning, he's sighing. Uh, A sigh is kind of a less audible groan. It's just a heavy breathing out, just like. And a groan is when you engage the vocal cords with it. So it's a, okay. And so we're talking about that. And at one point, I'm, I look over at Ben. I say, Ben, you know, you sigh quite a bit. And, and he said, oh, really? And I said, yeah, you do. And, and uh, I said, by the way, I, I think I do too. Uh, my wife will point it out. I don't even realize I'm doing it, you see. And of course, there's a lot of road construction on 46. And we're coming up to Nashville, and there's this long line of traffic. You have to wait because they're, they're doing one lane at a time. And so one side gets to go, then the other side gets to go, and you wait. And so we pull up to this long line of traffic, and and I go, and I said, see, I just did it. I just sighed. And see, normally I don't realize it at all. Well, Jesus does that in our gospel reading for today. And uh, Roman numeral number one, in your outline, sighs or groans often indicate physical or mental distress, anguish. Something's upsetting you, something's burdening you, and and you display this emotion, this emotive response. It goes along with that sort of thing, some sort of distress. And so, let's look at the gospel reading, beginning at verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. So let's kind of draw this up here, okay? Here's the Sea of Galilee on the northern part of Israel. And then you've got the Mediterranean coast, all right? So Tyre would be to the northwest. It's on the coast. So Jesus and his disciples have left Galilee They've gone into this Gentile region of Tyre, and now they're following the coast of the Mediterranean further north to Sidon. That's further north up the coast. And then they go down from there through Galilee to the region of the Decapolis, which is kind of its southeast then of the Sea of Galilee. So they're really chewing up the miles here. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. 
And if you know anything about deafness, the deafness and speech impediments go together because we learn to speak by hearing. And when we cannot hear, then we cannot make the sounds the way you and I, the way hearing people would make the same sounds. Okay? And they begged him to lay his hand on him. Most likely, I mean, it could have been simply a blessing, but this is probably to heal. Verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. Notice Jesus does this. It's almost as if the healings, the requests that come his way are an interruption in, in what he came here to do. And I, I think they are. And yet, Jesus responds to the interruption. You know, um, I always like to say, you're not an interruption. You're the reason why I'm here. I mean, I, I may know, I may think I know what I'm going to do today, but what someone else comes through my door with is what the Lord really intends for my day to include. And so that this happens to all of us, right? And Jesus responds compassionately to the request. And notice he takes the man aside privately. It's almost as if Jesus doesn't want to draw attention to himself because he's not here to draw attention to himself. He's here to serve you. He's going to the cross. He's here to meet the need of this man who is a deaf mute. He put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Now, I've read, and it, I know it sounds kind of gross to you and me, but um, saliva in the ancient world was credited with having curative properties. All right? Um, and, and so that's just the way it was. That's how... That's what they believed, right? And so it's almost as if Jesus is employing sign language with the guy when he puts his fingers into the man's ears. It's a signal that I'm going to heal your hearing, okay? Then he touches his tongue with the saliva, which is to say, I'm going to do something about your speech. I'm going to heal your speech. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, this is an Aramaic word. It's, a, it's a kind of a cousin to Hebrew. It's what Aramaic is. Ephatha, that is, be open. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released. Uh, in the Greek, his tongue was unchained. And he spoke plainly. He spoke plainly. And to me, that just emphasizes the miracle that this guy who could not hear before now speaks as clearly as you or me. So Roman numeral two, hearing and speech come from the Lord. I cite Psalm 51, I think it's actually verse 15. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. In Exodus four, uh, you know, Moses is objecting to God's call to go to Pharaoh and to lead the people out of Egypt. And, and God, he says to him, look, I, I mean, Moses' objection is, I can't speak properly, okay? I've got some sort of issue. 
with my speech. I can't do this thing you're asking me to do. And so God responds, who has made man's mouth? Who has made him hearing, seeing, speaking, deaf, whatever it is? Is it not I, the Lord? I will be with your mouth, God says to Moses, you see. Hearing and speech come from the Lord. Uh, letter A, Christ may communicate through sign language. That's what he's doing with the deaf mute. But he heals by speaking. It's by speaking, Ephratha. Letter B, all of us are like the deaf mute, spiritually speaking. All of us are spiritually deaf. We're spiritually mute until God opens our ears and unchains our tongue to sing his praise. We don't do that by nature, okay? We'll sing our own praises. We'll listen to all kinds of things, but when it comes to the Lord and to his word, to his work, we're engaged elsewhere. That's the way we are by nature. I cite uh, Jeremiah chapter five where uh, God is speaking to his people. And, and he says, oh, foolish people. He says, you have ears, but you cannot hear. You have eyes, but you do not see. And Jesus says the same thing to his disciples in Mark chapter 8, where uh, he's, he's teaching them. They're not getting it. And he says, are your hearts hard also? I mean, like the Pharisees. You have ears, but you cannot hear. You have eyes, but you cannot see. And so this is a problem that afflicts even Christians. God may open our ears in baptism, and he does. He implants his saving word into our hearts when we're baptized. And yet we grow weary of hearing the gospel. We grow weary of Jesus. We want some shiny new object to captivate our attention. And there's plenty of shiny objects out there. We say things like, well, I already know the gospel. Tell me something new. Well, I'll tell you this. Anyone who understands how sinful he is loves to hear the gospel. Anyone who understands how unworthy he is embraces the gospel and is thankful for it and can't get enough of it because not only does that gospel save you, it's what sanctifies you. It's what enables you to walk the Christian walk. It's that message, that old message of salvation. Hearing about God's love for you in Jesus is what enables you to turn around toward your husband, your wife, your parent, your child, and to love like Jesus. That's what does it. It's not the law. The law only corrects you, and it may keep you from doing what's wrong, but what enables you to do what is right it is the gospel alone. You and I need it every day. But we take it for granted. We grow weary of hearing our ears shut down. It should not be. It should not be. You know, I, I like to go on YouTube, and um, I probably spend too much time on YouTube, <laughs> if you want to know the truth. You can learn all kinds of things on YouTube. I, I learned how to wash my windows on YouTube. I did, okay? You can learn about particle physics on YouTube. I've been there, I've done that, you know, it's great. But I'll tell you something really neat. Even if you're a stranger to YouTube, 
go on there and type in something like this. Deaf people hearing for the first time. Okay? They'll get a cochlear implant, right? And these people have never heard sound before. And so they, they, they put in the cochlear implant and there's uh, a technician at the computer kind of turning up sound and all of a sudden you see these eyes get big and then people almost invariably sob uncontrollably because for the first time maybe she's hearing her husband's voice he's saying I love you or he's hearing his daughter's voice for the first time it's a very moving thing I defy you to watch it without bawling your eyes out. I, I went through about 10 Kleenexes just watching one video of deaf people hearing for the first time. You know, it, it, it is amazing. Point C, letter C, God's cochlear implant is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's love for you and for all humanity at the cross. I, I quote Psalm 40, verse six here, sacrifice, an offering you have not desired, but you have opened my ears, you see. And then Romans 10, St. Paul writes, faith comes by hearing the message. That's the gospel. And, he adds, the message is heard through the word of Christ. That is to say, when the gospel is proclaimed to you, Christ himself is speaking to the heart. He's speaking to the heart. He's opening the ears, you see. And he's unloosing the tongue for praise. This is the Lord's work. Only he can do it. It is an amazing thing. And that brings us to Roman numeral three. The Lord's gifts, this seeing, this hearing, this speaking, it always comes at the Lord's expense. Okay? Nothing is free in a fallen world. Nothing is free in a fallen world. Letter A, Jesus bore not only our sins, but our illnesses as well. And this is a mysterious thing, but the scripture makes a point of this. And uh, under number one there, I, I cite Matthew 8, verse 17, where Jesus is healing person after person after person one evening. And this is what Matthew writes, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And this is from Isaiah 53, that great messianic chapter. Well, the whole thing's messianic, but this, it just sticks out. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He bore our diseases. Uh, the ancient rabbis, I've been told, based on this passage from Isaiah 53, they believed that the Messiah would be the most disease-wracked person who'd ever lived because he's bearing all of the weaknesses, the illnesses, the maladies of Israel. And actually, he's doing it for all humanity. He's placing himself under that burden, you see. In some mysterious way, he's taking all of these maladies into himself. He's bearing it, you see. And so uh, that brings us to number two. God in Christ accepts responsibility for this fallen world. He accepts responsibility for it. 
making our sins and our infirmities his own. Now, I want to make very clear. Jesus, God, is not to blame for sin. Sin is our doing. Scripture makes that very clear. It is our doing. It is not God's doing. But in the gospel, God assumes that responsibility. He takes responsibility for what you have done, what I have done, and he takes it upon himself. This is the burden of guilt that only he can bear, and he does so for you and me. And he does so in totality. He deals with sin in totality. He, he takes our death upon himself. He takes our illnesses upon himself. The whole deal. He takes our alienation upon himself. He himself is alienated from God, from truth. He becomes sin for us. So letter B. Sighs and groans indicate that the Lord is working for us. This is what it signals. He's working for us. You know, the Israelites groaned under the hard labor that the Egyptians imposed upon them. Jesus groans under the weight of sin and its consequences, including illness. He groans under this having freely assumed the burden, you see. He freely assumes the burden. The Gospel of Mark, I think more than any other Gospel, highlights the emotions of Jesus. Now, all the Gospels record his emotions. You know, he's compassionate. Uh, he's deeply moved. He's angry. Uh, he loves. He sighs, he groans. All of these emotions he displays. And remember, when he heals the deaf mute, I think he does this to call forth faith from the man's heart. He places his finger in the man's ear. He places his saliva on the man's tongue as a signal I'm healing you. Believe this. I'm going to heal you. And in the very same way, Jesus sighs. He groans in our gospel lesson for today. He does this elsewhere as well. I think in Mark 8, he groans again. The very next chapter. But it is a signal that he's healing us. He goes to work bearing what only he can bear. He places himself under our sin, under our guilt, under our illnesses, under our death, and he bears it all. He's saying to us, I'm healing you, and that healing will be complete on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, amen. Please stand. We confess the ancient faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, page 174. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We bow our heads and hearts in prayer. Holy Father, we give you thanks for sending your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who opens our ears and unchains our tongues for praise. Lord, in your mercy. And dear Lord, we pray for those who are deaf. I, I've read that some 98% of the deaf population does not attend church. We pray, Heavenly Father, for increased ministry to those who have hearing loss. We give you thanks for Reverend Alan Rourke, our missionary at large to the deaf. And we pray that you'll continue to raise up faithful men and women who will share the good news with all people, including our deaf brothers and sisters. We thank you as well for those who serve each week on our altar guild. And we praise you, dear God, for all the children in our midst open their ears and ours to the good news. We also give you thanks for our Japanese Sunday School today, this afternoon at St. Peter's, and also for our men's Bible study coming up Wednesday morning. These are opportunities to hear the word of the Lord. May we avail ourselves of these opportunities, and we pray that the Japanese will do so as well. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray for all who mourn, especially the Franks family, as they mourn the passing of Dara's aunt Susie. We thank you, Lord, for Susie's faith, and we pray that you'll bring comfort to Dara and Greg and Josie and all who grieve. Lord, in your mercy. And dear Lord God, we pray for spiritual renewal in our nation. We pray, Lord God, that our ears will always be open to the good news of Jesus. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will turn the hearts of parents to their children and children to their parents, that we walk together in the love of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our Congress, our President, our Justices, and all in authority in this great land. 
that you, O Lord, would grant them wisdom and courage, civility, and honor as they carry out their tasks. Lord, in your mercy, we pray, Heavenly Father, for those whom we're inviting to worship, to Alpha, to searching Scripture. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, open our hearts to our neighbors and open their hearts to our invitations. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Lord God, we pray for those seeking healing. We lift up John Batten, who will undergo surgery this week. Also, Paul Bennett, undergoing surgery this week. Bless them, and we pray for successful surgery and for full recovery, as you would have it. We pray as well for Judy Bates and Judy Moses. We lift up Art Schaefer and Marianne Denninger. Have mercy upon them and all whom we name now silently in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.